that off even more. So I want to encourage you. And uh, on, if you just turn to the back page of your outline, I want to maybe just start out with this challenge to begin with. I was going to end with it, but I think I'll just start with it in dealing with even as we go through the message this morning. Uh, I really want to issue a six week challenge to each and every person in our congregation. And it's a simple challenge in, in that that you would just go ahead and take your calendar when you go home and mark out Sundays and Tuesdays. And say that I'm going to be in church on Sunday and I'm going to be in church on Tuesday and I'm going to come with an old fashioned Bible. And there's a purpose for that. I, I, I love using my iPads and my phones. I love the accessibility. But I think there's something powerful about holding the written word in your hand. I, I just, God, God did that. He said, he said take it and write it and, and put it in your hand. So there's something powerful about holding the Bible in your hands and then take it because it, it becomes more personal. My phone doesn't feel that personal. But God's word, when I hold the, I've been using this Bible since 1989. And uh, when I go through this Bible, it has so much in it that just going in it and marking in it. And every time I turn through it, I can look and see what God did to me. You can't you can do some things. You can you can do highlights and underlines in your phone. You can paste it in notes and stuff like that. But it's hard to make the word of God personal in in such a way. So the challenge is to begin there. They come to every service with a Bible and a notebook and expect God to say something to you. Come expecting to hear the Lord say something, to receive the word sown in your heart, and then to pray in the Spirit every day. Find time every day in the next six weeks to pray in the Spirit, in the Holy Ghost, asking the Holy Spirit to be your teacher. Something amazing happened. Jesus said that He would send the Holy Spirit and He would teach us everything about him that he would take the things of christ and show them to us so something uh, there, there ha- we have to do some things purposefully amen i preached on a little bit ago and and, and things in, uh, on on holding on to a dream or even with success nobody just wakes up and becomes a success or or reaches a goal you do that on purpose Amen. And so same thing in God in our walk with God that would be very purposeful in it. And, and I think in the day, the reason I'm saying this, that in the day, in the hour in which we live, and uh, it's, it's just an amazing time that we live in. So if there was ever a time for us to truly be in tune with the voice of the Holy Spirit and God's direction for our life, I believe it is today. Amen. I really believe that. We are living in an hour when we really need to be able to hear with clarity God's voice in our lives. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. Praise the Lord. And then actively pursue life in the Spirit. And that's really what I want to talk to you about this morning, about life in the Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Genesis or your phones, whatever you have with you. And, and, and I'm not saying that against phones. I use mine. I take it with me. When I go to different meetings time to time, I like to take notes, but I like to have my notepad with me. I do a lot of my notes on, on my iPad. I have a little keyboard there and because I don't have to copy them over again, so I like taking notes. But I love when I can mark something, I can get back to it and see and... Uh, uh, what the Lord says. So Genesis chapter 2 this morning as we begin. Hallelujah. How many are ready for God to do something special in your life? Amen. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7. And the Lord God formed man. Everybody say formed. The Lord God formed man. He fashioned. He made him of the dust of the ground. And then watch this. And breathed into his nostrils. What did he breathe into him? 
the breath of life, and man became a living being. Or in other words, God breathed His Spirit into the vessel that He formed, and that vessel as a man became a living being. Or man was made alive by the Spirit of God. You and I were formed for God to breathe His life into us. We're going to see in a moment. You and I were made to be able to contain spirit. Look at the, the introduction on your outline, if you would. We were never created to be, to be or intended to be natural being. You weren't created to be natural. That isn't God's creation point for us, is that we would be natural. Or to live our lives by only our souls and natural senses and feelings. We were created in the image of God. Father, I thank you in these next few moments that we have together. I thank you that you will speak to us by your Spirit with clarity and truth. Holy Spirit, come and do what only you can do. Cause our eyes to see the truth that's within the Word. Cause our ears to hear it. And our hearts to receive it in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. So look at this. We are created with the ability and the capacity to contain spirit. Now I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit, but I want to illustrate this principle to you. So I want you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 1. Man was created to contain spirit. It's an interesting thought when you think about it. How many have ever read your gospel, the Gospels and, and you read the accounts with Jesus uh, of all the demonic expressions that take place there? When he goes into church and he comes in contact with people or in different places or parents bring them their children. And we see these demonic manifestations. And so what you have is you have people who are filled with demonic spirits. That in their life, their lives are filled with demonic spirit. Mark chapter 1 is, is the first account of it in the Gospel of Mark. I'm going to read three of them out of here. I want you to watch what's happened. Then they went into Capernaum, verse 21, Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as scribes. Now there was a man in the synagogue with their what? So there's a man there with an unclean spirit. How many know that Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit? Amen. So here's somebody with an unclean spirit, but it's not like he, you know, they're just buddies hanging out. He's not outside of him. This spirit is on the inside of him. Now watch it. This spirit inside of the man, and he cried out. Now from this point on, the man's voice is being used, but it is spirit doing the talking. Are you with me? Okay, and he cried out saying, let us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus rebuked him, meaning speaking to the devil, rebukes the demon in the man. Be quiet and what? Come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him, (coughs) excuse me, cried out with a loud voice. And he came out of him. Then they were all filled with amazement, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. Turn to chapter 5. So here you have a man in church, and he has a spirit, an unclean spirit on the inside of him. And that spirit is using his voice to speak. 
And so the man's there, and, and this voice is cut, this utterance is coming out of the man, but it is the voice, and it is the will, and it's the expression of a demonic spirit, not the man. The man is just a vessel that is being used by a demonic spirit. Are you with me? Now watch this in Mark chapter 5 and beginning in verse 1. And when they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarene, and when they came out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with what? An unclean spirit. There it is again. And he who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles broke in pieces, neither could anyone take him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying out and cutting himself with stones. But when Jesus saw him from afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice. Now why? It's interesting. This man's running and worshiping him, but it's just the vessel. But the man himself isn't running and doing that. The demon is driving this man to the feet of Jesus. And the de demon begins to worship God. It's interesting that the term worship is used there. Are you with me? We don't really think about worship, but worship is acknowledging the authority of God. Part of that is acknowledge the sovereignty, the authority of God. Amen? And so he cried out with a loud voice, said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. So what does that statement say to you? That demon had the, Jesus had the authority over devils. Amen? That you do not torment me. Verse 8. For he said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. So Jesus is having a vocal conversation, an audible conversation with the demonic spirit through another man. I mean, no, that's crazy. We'll look at that and think about that. There's a reason I, I, I'm saying this to you this morning, and you'll find out here in a moment. So watch this. And he said, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him, he continues in his conversation, begged him earnestly that he, that he would not send them out into the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountains, and all the demons begged him, saying, Send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission, and the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, and there were about 2,000, meaning the pigs were about 2,000. We know they run down the hill, they all die, but I want you to get there. He said, my name is Legion, and Legion, you need to understand that. People go, well, the man had 2,000 demons. No, the demons went into 2,000 pigs. A legion is referenced to over 6,000. A legion of soldiers is 6,000 plus officers and that closer to 7,000, sometimes even up to 8,000 in a legion of that. And so you think about it, this man in spirit, inside of him, he had the capacity for thousands of demons to be on the inside of him. And when the Bible tells us that we are filled with the fullness of God, we, we need to have an understanding that we have a capacity on the inside of us to contain spirit that's beyond our natural understanding. We cannot comprehend how do you get 6,000 demons into a man because spirit does not take up space. Are you with me? Spirit doesn't contain space. It, it, it doesn't have volume like, like we think about it. 
in that. But there's something when God formed man, as we read in the beginning, and he breathed into him, he made man a container. You were formed to contain spirit. And the devil knows that. And Michael Turner did such an amazing job last week about battling for the, for the space of his presence or the space in our life that was created for the presence of God. Now, the devil knows that you were created to contain spirit, and he wants to be in the place that was created for the presence of God. Are you with me? And so he tries to fill that space, and he can fill that space. But let me just interject this here in, in this aspect, that neither God nor the devil operates without you opening the door. God made man the opportunity. The devil doesn't just come into people and overtake them. Man is the authority in the earth, and man has to open up and give a place to the devil to enter into your life. You have to begin to engage in spiritual things and open up to demonic spirits and spiritual activity. And it always starts so innocently. Amen. But it always amazes me how, how much we embrace the demonic side and we run from the holy side. Here we are with Halloween coming up and Christians get all enamored. People decorate. We decorate for demons and everything else. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching real good. And we do all this stuff. We get all excited about the demonic. We embrace that. We buy, our, I mean, all this crazy stuff that we do. And yet when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we get weirded out. We get afraid of the Holy Spirit. We go watch horror movies. Scary movies. I like being scared. We watch demonic manifestations and stuff like that. All this other stuff. Are you with me? And so it comes subtle. And then we open up things up and we wonder, well, where did that begin to come in? How did that get into my life? Well, what voices have you been listening to and entertaining? Amen? So you don't have to amen. I'll just keep going either way. Go with me to Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9. Jesus then disciples go up on the Mount of Transfiguration, verse 14. And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to greet him. He asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one of the multitude answered, said, teacher, I brought my son who has a mute spirit and wherever he seizes him, he throws him down, he foams at the mouth, he gnashes at the teeth, and becomes rigid. How many of you have seen that child in the store? <laughs> Amen. So I spoke to your disciple that they should not cast him out, but they, that they should cast him out, but they could not. And he answered and said to him, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long should I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately he, the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from a child. I think it's interesting. Jesus is not moved or influenced by what's going on. This kid's on the ground, frothing at the mouth, doing all this stuff. Jesus begins having a conversation. How long has this been going on? <laughs> Amen? Hallelujah. And so watch this. And, uh, and he said, from childhood, and he has often thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion and Jesus on, and on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe... All things are possible to him that believed. And immediately the child, father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. 
And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to him, You deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him, and came out of him. And so if, if you have some place in, on the front of your outline, you might just wonder, there's a difference. The Holy Spirit is not a controlling spirit. The devil is a controlling spirit. You need to always remember that. Demonic spirits are controlling spirits. The Holy Spirit asks you to yield to it. The Holy Spirit always asks for permission. He'll never take control. People want the, the, the Holy Spirit to come and take over them and make them do something. The Holy Spirit will never make you do anything. He asks you to agree with Him and to yield to Him and to allow Him. Okay? The Bible says that in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4 on the day of Pentecost and says that they all began to speak. They began to speak as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. So when the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your life, He gives you the utterance. But it's always up to you to speak. 1 Corinthians chapter 14 says the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. So whether you speak prophetically, whether you speak as the voice of the Holy Spirit, allow his voice to be spoken through you, his will, his words to be spoken through your life, will always take your agreement. Are you with me? The, the devil takes control and by force uses us as his vessel for his will. Amen. So the question in our life is whose voice is going to speak? Amen. Now watch this. Let's go back to our outline here. Look at the cover. We got on this because I said we were created with the ability and the capacity to contain spirit. So here we see people containing demonic spirit. But this is which is why the Word of God always calls us to be people of the Spirit. We are to be led by the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, empowered by the Spirit, gifted by the Spirit, taught by the Spirit, and given understanding into the mysteries of the Spirit. Man, though, through his fallen nature, is born carnal. You and I, when we were born, we were born carnal. We were born natural. What does that mean? In our thoughts, and our actions, and deeds, we are naturally live by the soulish instincts of our mind and our will and our emotion. So we go through life trying to find answers to fix the spiritual problem with national, natural soulish reasoning, actions, and responses. Most of the problems that we have in life are a spiritual problem. Our nation has a spiritual problem, not a natural problem. We have a spiritual problem. Every problem in life is connected to something that's out of order in the spirit. No other way around it. And when we try to fix spiritual things with natural answers, it never worked. How many know that a car that's made to run on gas cannot run on diesel? This isn't going to work. You were made to run on the spirit, not on your natural soulish realm. Your spirit is to be led. Your soul is to be led by your spirit. And your spirit is to be the leading and the guiding of our life. Look inside. So we do all that only to find that we compound the issues instead of fixing them. So then we take the next logical soulish action and divorce ourselves from whatever the conflict or problem may be in our life. We think moving away will fix it. And moving on. If I just move on, I have this problem, I'm just going to move on. I'm just going to separate. Moving away, distance doesn't fix problem. It just puts space between you and the problem. It didn't fix. Are you with me? It doesn't fix it. 
But if we move on and continue to live only out of our souls and the carnal side of our fallen nature, we can never truly change the outcome in our life, which is why we must be born again. Born of the Spirit, made alive unto God, filled with the Holy Spirit, renewed and restored to God's original intent for our life. So what does that mean? It means that we were created to be people of the Spirit and to live in the flow of God's Spirit in your life and mine. The reason I gave you that challenge, we have to purpose to live by the Spirit. The most natural thing to do is to be natural. People say, I can't help it. It just comes to me naturally. Naturally on my carnal side, on my unregenerated side. Are you with me? In that sense. It does. It just happens naturally. We respond naturally. We, 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 we just react and, and, and deal with things naturally. But I have to pull myself back and choose to respond in, out of my spirit and be led by the Holy Spirit. How many would agree? John chapter 7, I put in your, in your outline here, on the last and most important day of the feast, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, he should come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture says, will have streams of living water <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been received, because Jesus has not yet been glorified. He said, if anybody's thirsty, let them come to me and drink. Hear me, this is a marvelous promise from God of a flow of his spirit through our lives beyond what we can naturally comprehend. Our life in Christ is life in, through, and by his spirit living and flowing from our life. I know this sounds so basic. It sounds so fundamental. It sounds just so ABC. But life in the Spirit is how you were meant to live. But it only happens purposefully. It doesn't happen naturally. Not going to happen naturally. I have to choose to walk in the Spirit. Naturally, I get up every morning and I want to flesh out. I mean, you're with me. I, just, I mean, it's the easiest thing for me to do. When I think about what's right to do, what's wrong to do, I always seem to go to the natural side. I don't know about you. It's a real choice for me to do the right thing. Amen. Maybe you are naturally perfect. Praise the Lord. So let me ask you this question. What does it mean and what would it look like to be living in the flow of God's Spirit? What does it mean to live in in the flow of His Spirit. What does it really mean to be filled and led by the Spirit in such a way that it transforms our lives and our conduct? Amen. Let, let, let me just give you one aspect. Paul wrote to Tim and said, God has not given us a spirit of... What? Fear. Fear but a power and of love and a sound mind. And if my conversation is filled with declarations of things that I'm afraid of, then what spirit is leading me and influencing me? And so, for, it's just so natural to go with fear instead of saying, wait a minute, God hasn't given me a spirit. I refuse to allow myself to think about that. Here's what happened. One of the problems we have today is we get way too much information. 
There's too much information out there. And because you get the information, you think everything is right outside your door. You're convinced that the neighborhood robber is right outside your door. You're convinced there's a pedophile parked outside your house. You're convinced there's somebody going to be because we just hear about it all the time. I mean, you know what I'm saying? But yet if I read Psalms 91, it says that I abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The Word of God tells me of His protection and His covering. It says no weapon formed against you will prosper. And anything that rises up in judgment against you, you can speak against. The weapons of our warfare are carnal. They're not uh, they're, they're, are, are, are mighty. They're, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God. And we pull down strongholds, thoughts and reasonings. Amen? That, and we bring our thoughts back into captivity to obedience of the Word of God. We don't let our mind get caught up in fear. It doesn't mean that we don't be responsible. It doesn't mean we don't do right things. But we don't live in the fear of something happening because we just hear about it. It's on Facebook. It's on the news. It's on this. It's on the Internet. And we are constantly connected to the outside world. But my question is, how, are, are you connected as much? Listen, if I'm so connected to the voice of this world, how much am I hearing the voice of God? What is the balance between the voice of fear and the voice of faith in my life? And so life in the flow, life in the spirit, I have to choose to live by the voice of God. Amen? All right, cool. Now, my job is to preach. Your job is to make your own choice. So what does it really mean to be filled and led by the Spirit in such a way that it transforms our lives and our conduct? The greatest promise ever given by God to man, in my opinion, is to be filled with the Spirit. To live our lives filled with the fullness of God. It is here for us to partake of. It is our down payment of our inheritance. It's in your Bibles, Ephesians 1, verses 13 and 14. When you heard the message of the truth of the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed in Him, you were sealed with the promise of the Holy Spirit. He is the down payment of our inheritance for the redemption of the possession to the praise of His glory. The Holy Spirit is the down payment payment. And when I have him, I have the assurance that I've received everything else that comes with that. Amen? So think about it. We've been given this amazing down payment, which is all-encompassing in our lives each and every day. Galatians 3.3 tells us that we begin in the Spirit. Paul wrote to the church, hey, how is it that you began in the Spirit? In fact, just turn over to Galatians chapter 3 just for a moment. Watch it. Interesting passage, verse 1, that Paul says this. Oh, foolish Galatians, especially with Halloween coming up. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has what? Bewitched you. I remember the old sitcom, the little comedy, Bewitched. Paul's saying, oh, foolish Galatians, who has? Who's bewitched you? Or in other words, who has brought you under a spell? Interesting thought. Amen? 
that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. This only I want to learn. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? So here Paul is writing to a whole church, and they had this great beginning in the Spirit, but he says, how is it? Because it's so easy to go back to natural. And when it comes to law and when it comes to rule, I can think, oh man, if, 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 I'm, if I'm fulfilling the requirement, then I'm really being spiritual. There's a difference between obeying laws and walking in the Spirit. How many would agree? Galatians 5.16 says that we are to walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5.25 says we live and we walk in the Spirit. 1 Peter 3.18 says Jesus was quickened and made alive, given life by the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 15.22 says that all are made alive in Christ by the same Spirit. And Romans 8.14 declares to us the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickens our mortal bodies. That word quicken there means makes them alive with His life. It also means healing and restoration physically and spiritually. So man has been on an endless search for the fountain of you, the secret to life and longevity. But in Christ, we have an inheritance, a quickening, a making alive, a work in our bodies, a Holy Spirit. It's amazing. We used to, uh, and you'll see it sometime, that, that you'll see people and they come in and they're under the weight and the yoke and the bondage of sin and they get saved and you see their whole countenance change. It, it, it looks like it looks like they just got ten years younger. You go, that is amazing because sin is a weight; it is a burden, it is a yoke. And when God takes that off, it lifts you up. And when the Bible says that God renews our youth, Amen, and He gives life, and so life in God, we're searching for everything natural that we have, and yet you have this promise that in God, the Holy Spirit, the power that raised Christ from the dead. It dwells in you, and he will quicken, make alive, rejuvenate, re-energize your life. People tell me from time to time, Pastor, how do you get all your energy? Live by the Holy Ghost. Amen. Live in God. When I'm doing things, why? When I'm doing things out of my own strength, I get tired. Life wears me down. But when I'm living in the flow of the Spirit, when we live by God's Holy Spirit and by the flow of the Spirit, He strengthens us. Amen? And He empowers us and He keeps us strong. And, and yes, we lay down and we go to sleep, but at the same time, we wake up and we're energized. Amen? That's the promise of God to us. Look at the next page of your outline. When we come into agreement with the word and the life that God has been sown into our heart, we will experience the quickening power of our inheritance working in our bodies and in our lives. Don't just hear the word today. Receive it sown into your heart. There's two different. Hearing is not receiving. 
It has to go from here. It has to get past my ears and it has to get sown into my heart. It has to take root there and it begins to produce there. And and then from there, it begins to grow back up and it begins, it renews my mind. It changes the way I think. And many times I watch it. Listen, if, if, if we're not able to sleep at night, if we're not able to be at rest, if we're not able to go to places and do this thing, it's because we're, we're thinking about things way too naturally. We're concerned about it and we're overly concerned and we're overly anxious and we're overly worried, and you weren't created to do that. Life in the Spirit gives you peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave with you. Not the kind of peace the world gives, but I give you peace that brings a sustaining factor into your life. Look at Luke chapter 1 here, and reading about Mary. The angel replied to her, Gabriel speaking to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And consider your relative Elizabeth. Even she has conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month for her who was called childless. For nothing will be impossible with God. I am the Lord's slave, Mary said. May it be done to me according to your word. Life in the Spirit is when I just pick up this Bible and I begin to say, God, I want to live and declare daily. May it be done to me according to your word. I want to live by your word. I don't want to try to mix natural thinking with spiritual thinking. I want to live by your word. How many know Proverbs 3 says, trust in the, in the Lord in all your ways. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. But when it comes to my, I have to take time and I have to acknowledge him. I have to pray in the spirit. I have to ask, Holy Spirit, Jesus said you would be my leader, my teacher, and my guide. I need you. You are my companion. You are the helper. You are the paraclete. You are the one who comes alongside. I have to engage in relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. And, and that's something we've done. And, and, and we talk a lot about the Father. We talk about Jesus. But so many times we miss this wonderful relationship that belongs to us with the Holy Spirit. The third person, the equal person of the Trinity. He is a person. And he is here for you today. He is here to be a part of every moment, every part of your life, every day of your life, your whole life. He is here with you. The best way I can tell you is the Holy Spirit is God's chosen manifestation of himself in the earth today. How is God working in the earth today? By his spirit. He is here by the Holy Spirit of promise. Amen. And he's here for every person. Praise the Lord. Now watch it. So be it unto me according to your word. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her. Or think about it. He moved upon the face of her deep. And life was conceived, quickened on the inside of her. Or in other words, the seed of God's word received in her natural womb. Can you just get a hold of that? this morning. She, the, the angel of the Lord appears to her and speaks a word to her. And the Holy, the Bible says the Holy Spirit, the presence of God overshadows her. And she senses that that word has entered. See, your words are spirit. I don't know if I can get you to believe this or not. But words are spirit. And that word, that word of spirit sown into her spirit took root. And she became pregnant 
with the word of life. And it produced our Savior. I mean, oh, that's amazing. That is amazing. God's word received in a woman's spirit produced our Savior. Wow. Amazing. The miracle of the virgin birth. But here at this morning, the same Holy Spirit will move over the face of the deep in our life. His seed sown in our heart and received by the same faith will produce His life in us. He brings His quickening to our life. How many have ever had a moment where faith just came alive on the inside of you? You believe God for something. You were at that point. You were praying. You're seeking God. And you're reading. And all of a sudden, the Word entered you. It entered you. And, and, and the life of that Word became alive. And you believe. For that word to physically come to pass. And you acted in your faith upon it. Are you with me? And you saw it happen. That word was literally birthed through your life. Wow. Hallelujah. So that same Holy Spirit does that. He moves over the face of the deep in our life. Peter says it like this. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. How do we get saved? What does it mean to get saved? Getting saved is more than praying the sinner's prayer. The sinner's prayer is an introduction to God. We get saved when you receive the word planted on the inside of you, and that seed produces the life of God on the inside of you, and you literally have the life of God developing on the inside of you. That's why Paul prayed. You can write this down, Galatians 4.19. Paul says, my dear children, I pray for you as a woman caught in the pangs of delivery until Christ is fully formed in you. Wow. So this word comes up and God begins to be formed on the inside. Now, this is where we have to think, live our life out of our spirit, not out of our surroundings. Amen. Many times, that's why we love worship, because we come into church and we come into the presence of God with God's people, and in this place of his presence, it seems like weights and the worries of the world leave off, and we just enter in. But that's available all the time to us. Amen. There's a corporate anointing that, that we can't produce on our own, but there is a presence of God that we can live in continually. So hear me. So we are born again, quickened, made spiritually alive in Christ, fashioned and reformed to be filled and endued with power from on high, enabled to speak the word of God with boldness. Amen. Now, I, I want you to turn to Acts chapter 13 for just a moment. And Tuesday night, we're going to take off a whole series on the gifts of the Spirit and really diving into this. And again, part of that for the next six weeks, we're just going to keep talking about the Spirit, especially on Tuesday nights on the, for the next six weeks. And I encourage you to just come, bring your Bible, your notepad, be here, be a part of that, and ask the Holy Spirit to make Himself known to you in a greater way than ever before. But watch this, Acts chapter 13, verses 1 and 2. Now in the church at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now watch it. And the Holy Spirit said, 
Everybody look up here just for a moment. How did he say? How did they hear his voice? They're, they're, praying, they're fasting, they're praying, ministering, to, and the Holy Spirit said, was it just a voice out of, out of nowhere? Was it just a, now separate Barnabas and Saul to the work I've called them to do? No. It was cool, huh? <laughs> Tell Frank to obey. <laughs> Amen. Now watch, watch, watch. But what happened? One of them there was used by the Holy Spirit to speak His will and His word. One of them became the voice of God. One of them who was filled with the Spirit. Out of them, one of them allowed the Holy Spirit to speak using their voice. And they knew it was the voice of God. That's what God does through our life. The same way that those demons were using the voice of those that they possessed. Now, one of them who's filled, not with the demonic spirit, but with the Holy Spirit has yielded to allow their voice to be God's voice uttered in the earth. Amen? So powerful. Everybody look up here. That's God's will for every one of you. To be saved and filled with the Holy Spirit means that you can be used with God's voice. The question is, what voice will speak? Amen? And so many times we go and people read the Bible and go, oh yeah, I believe that. I believe demons use people and demons talk through people and we readily believe that. Well, do you believe that the Holy Spirit could talk through you? Oh no, I don't know if I believe that. So demons are more powerful than God. Because in order for the Holy Spirit to talk through you, to bring edification, exhortation, Comfort, prophetic utterance through you, you have to agree. You have to engage. You have to say yes. Amen? Watch it. Let's finish this. Uh, Bill, can you guys come back, please? Now what? So we're born again. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they began to speak God's message, God's word, with boldness. Then they were all filled. Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. Then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak different languages as the Spirit gave them the ability to speak. So now watch this. So people go, well, I don't understand how tongues work. I don't understand about different languages. If it's the voice and the language of the Holy Spirit, what we're allowing Him to do is to pray and to speak through our life. I'm just the vessel that He is using. Amen. And on Tuesday night, we'll get more into that. But here this morning, I want you to see that the Holy Spirit, here they are. And now their voice is being used by the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, is speaking through them. Acts chapter one, verses four through eight here. While he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the father's promise. This he said is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit 
not many days from now. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel at this time? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or period that the Father has set in his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Luke 24 and verse 49, and look, I'm sending you what the Father promised. As for you, stay in the city until you are empowered from on high. God's will for his disciples, the Lord's will for his disciples, is that their life would be a life empowered by the Holy Spirit, that they would live in this marvelous flow of the Spirit of God in their life. That's God's will for your life and my life today, to live in the flow of the Spirit. Amen? But how does that happen? It happens when, first of all, when we are born again, when we say yes to God and we receive His grace and His forgiveness for our sin and we're born again, we're made alive unto God and then we receive this mighty Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit and we allow our lives to be filled with the Spirit and then we allow that same living water to flow out of that. Out of our innermost being flows rivers of living water. When somebody is praying in the Spirit, when somebody is worshiping God in the Spirit. It's allowing that low. The water comes in and the water flows out. Come on, we're not supposed to be the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is where water comes in and nothing goes out. It just stays there stagnant. We're supposed to be clean and fresh and as refreshing. And Ephesians 5 says, hey, ever be being filled. Continually be being filled. Continually be drinking in and receiving. Come to me and drink. If you're thirsty, come to the Lord and drink. What happens sometimes is we get dry and we look for other ways to bring refreshing into our life. There's nothing that will ever replace the Holy Spirit in our life. Say, Holy Spirit, come in. Fill my life. Refresh me today. I need living water flowing in my life. And I want your water to flow out of my life. I want to pray with the Spirit. I want to be able to have your voice be spoken through my life. I want to bring edification, exhortation, and comfort. I want to be used by you. I want the life of the Spirit flowing in me and flowing through me. How many could say amen? That's God's will for our life. Look at the last page of your outline. This is life in the flow, quickened, made alive, empowered, and filled with boldness in God's perfect, is God's perfect will for every life. It's the down payment of our inheritance. We can live in it and through it if we so desire. It's a promise and a gift to be received. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? You know, as I was getting ready this morning, driving up, I'm just meditating on this. The Lord reminded me in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8. Amazing passage. It says that Adam and Eve heard the voice of God walking in the garden and they ran and they hid themselves. God said, Adam, why are you hiding? He said, because I was naked and ashamed. And see, prior to that, they had been clothed. They didn't know they were naked, they were clothed. What were they clothed with? The presence of God upon them. And the moment they transgressed, the presence of God left their life. And they were no longer clothed with the anointing, with His presence. And they became aware 
of themselves. Prior to that, they were clothed with God. And they had no awareness of themselves. One thing the Spirit of God does for us is He sets us free from ourselves. He takes the awareness and the attention off of us. He takes us from being ashamed, from being insecure, from feeling inadequate. All those things that cause us to retract and to hide and to pull back. The anointing of God. Look at the promise. I will pour my spirit out again upon all flesh. The promise is that God's Holy Spirit would once again not just be in us, not just His life, but His presence upon us that we would be clothed with the Holy Spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. Bow your heads with me this morning. Maybe you're here today and you're born again. You're saved. But as of yet, you're like Paul asked the disciples at Ephesus. Acts chapter 19, he met these young disciples. He says, have you received the Holy Spirit? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we haven't heard if there was a Holy Spirit. Paul says, then into what were you baptized? And he said, we were baptized into John's baptism. So then Paul baptizes them in the name of Jesus and then they receive the Holy Spirit and they all begin to pray with other tongues and to prophesy. And God's voice begins to flow through their lives. That's God's will for you. To be able to pray in, through, and by the Spirit to worship God, to have this flow of God's Spirit in your life. Maybe you're here today and you've received Christ as your Savior. You've been baptized for the remission of your sin. But as of yet, you have not received the Holy Spirit. We want to pray for you this morning. But before we do that, maybe you're here today and you've never been saved. Maybe you've come to church and going to church means I need to go. I need to go and hear a good message. I I need to go. God's dealing with me. I need to just go hear a good message. But today, you know God brought you here not just to hear the message, but to respond. To say yes to God. Not to live your life another moment naturally. But to live your life by the Spirit and in the flow of the Spirit. So I'm asking you while your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed. If you're here and you haven't never accepted the Lord as your Savior. I want you to just boldly raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. If that's anybody in here, you know that I'm not saved. I'm not born again. I haven't allowed God. I hear the message. I do that. But I've never responded and said yes to God. Everybody say it. I'm saved. Amen. Cool. But maybe you're here and you're saying, Pastor, I know I'm saved, but I've never been baptized with the Holy Spirit. I don't have that flow of God's presence through my life. And today I want to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I I want that, that, that prayer language that God says I could have. I want to be able to pray in the Spirit, with the Spirit. I want that flow of God's living water through my life. If that's you and you're born again, but you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we want to pray with you right now. I'm going to ask you to be bold enough to get out of where you are. Just come up here. Sean and I are here to pray with you this morning. So if you need prayer and you want to receive that, then you just move right now. That's all it takes. It's an invitation. It's a gift. It's there to be received. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right. Is everybody good? Okay. Raise your hand up to heaven. Come on. They're going to lead us. Let's worship God for a moment. 
So maybe you're here today just right where you are. The Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Come on, just I want you in these next couple moments, just before we walk out this door. Take a moment. Just say no to the flesh. Say no to being natural. Plug into that flow of the life of the Spirit right now. Just plug in and enter into that flow. Say, God, fill me again. Let that refreshing flow. God, let the fullness of your Spirit come into my life as they lead us. Come on, let's just worship God. Amen.